Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. Hey, this is Josh. I am so glad that you've joined me on this episode of Journey Through the Bible, where we love diving into the words of Scripture because we know that it is God's revelation to us. This week, we are going to be in the latter half of Ephesians chapter 1, and that is verse 15 through 23. If you haven't listened to the other episodes on Ephesians, I encourage you to do so. There's two other episodes so far. There's the introduction, and then there's the discussion on the first 14 verses of Ephesians on the last episode. Everything builds upon each other. It's very much a building block, so I encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't done so. If this is something you enjoy, I I encourage you to hit that subscribe button or follow button or whatever that button looks like on whatever uh, podcast app uh, you are listening to this on uh, and share it with your friends. Share it on your social media channels. Uh, I'm I'm a firm believer uh, that God's word is true, as as it says, and, and, and God has promised as his word goes forth. He will fulfill his promise. He will fulfill his purpose uh, within his word. His word is powerful. His word is alive. And so the, the more people who, who dive into his word, right, the, the, the farther spread his, his, purpose, his purpose goes. So I encourage you to do so. Hey, well, we are in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. Uh, just a little bit of review of, of kind of the whole overarching theme of Ephesians, uh, the angle that we're taking it in this in this series, is that Jesus holds all authority and power. He holds all authority and power. It is given to him by the Father, and it is effectuated within our lives by the Holy Spirit. That was part of our discussion last episode, and we're going to further that discussion in this episode as we as we read these uh, these few verses. So let me just dive in. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 through 23. I encourage you to, to, to listen if you are able, if you're in a stationary place, listen to this with an open Bible. We're going to be referring uh, back to um, each verses very, very frequent, frequently throughout this, uh, throughout this episode. So if you're able, um, just I encourage you to op- open up your Bible and, and follow along. Um, I, I love taking notes in my Bible, so that may be something you want to do as well. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23 says this, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet 
and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, the same power that raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. So that was Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Now here in the latter part of the first chapter of Ephesians, we, we have the thesis for the rest of the book. This is kind of the point that Paul wants to make. He makes it here and then he expounds on it uh, throughout the, the rest of, of Ephesians. Uh, that Jesus possesses both the power and authority to make happen what is described in the book. The first episode, those first 14 verses, we see Paul praising God, just writing this glorious ode of praise to God for his salvation that he works in our lives. And this latter half of, of chapter 1 tells us that Jesus has the power and authority to actually effectuate that salvation. And not only that salvation, but everything else that we talk about through the rest of Ephesians. We're going to talk about the, the, the power of unity that comes through, uh, through the power of Jesus. We're going to talk about the, the, the power of resurrection that comes through, through the power of Jesus. So everything that Paul talks about really comes from these few verses, 15 through 23, that says Jesus has the power and authority to make happen what Paul is saying he, he does. Now, this was common in letters in ancient times. You, you would have a welcome, uh, a poem, or some sort of saying, followed by the thesis or the opening argument for the content of the remainder. And, and that's what we see here in Ephesians, right? We, we see Paul's welcome, and then he brings forth this ode or this poem, this praise psalm. And here he's bringing out his thesis or his opening argument for the content of the remainder. Because the fact is, if Jesus doesn't hold all power and authority, then what we see happening in Ephesians doesn't make sense. What we see happening in Ephesians, we're like, well, how does that happen if Jesus doesn't have the power? And, and the fact is, it, if Jesus doesn't have the power, it doesn't happen. But that's the beauty of it is that Paul is telling us that Jesus does have the power. And so we read Ephesians about the unity of faith. And we read in Ephesians about being raised to life. And we read in Ephesians about having the strength to overcome the enemy. And we can read it in faith and belief because we know that it is Jesus who holds this power. And he is able to do what he says he will do. Now here in the, this passage that we read, Paul begins with, for this reason. Right? Anytime you see this, for this reason, or other, other translations, you may read, therefore. Uh, I, my, my dad always said, you know, if you see a therefore, you have to ask, what is it there for? Right? It's for this reason. Well, this points back to verses 3 through 14. Uh, due to the blessings of salvation, because of God's gracious acts toward us and adopting us as his children, right? Because we are sealed with the Spirit. That's that's what Paul is, is referring, referring back to here. So, you know, because of all these blessings of salvation, here's what I'm going to do, or here's what I see, or here's what's going to happen. And what happens is Paul enters into a prayer for the believers. He's basing this prayer upon the promise of 3 through 14, right? God saves us. He redeems us. He cleanses us. He adopts us. And so essentially, Paul is asking God to show us as the reader what Paul has seen, which resulted in his praise in verses 3 through 14, right? He praises God in verse 3 through 14 and then asks God to show us to make three, 
verse 3 through 14 real in our lives. So Paul sees the salvation of God and thus he praises the salvation of God. And then here in verse 15, he begins this prayer that we as the reader would see this salvation, that we would see what Paul sees, that we would know what Paul knows, that we would experience what Paul has experienced. And that is the working of the power of Jesus in our lives. And so he offers a prayer for the recipients of his letter. And this, this just, just from the get-go, right, prayer in its very foundation necessitates the admission that what we are asking for is impossible for us to achieve on our own. Yet again, we are confronted with our, in, our inability to work for our own salvation. We talked about this in the last episode, and we're going to hit it probably almost every episode in Ephesians because the, the, the truth is it's so, it's so, so filled in Ephesians that it is the work of Jesus that saves us, not our own work. We're confronted here with our inability to work for our own salvation or really work for any spiritual blessing. But even more so, we're confronted with the marvelous reality of God gloriously acting on our behalf for our salvation. Right, This power that we read about here, the same power that God worked in Christ to raise him from the dead and to seat him as the exalted one at the right hand of God. That same power is at work in our lives. That's incredible. Now, there are two prayers in Ephesians, one here in chapter 1, verse 15 through 23, which we are talking about now. And, and there's, a, there's a, um, a man named Warren Wearsby. He's written several, several books, several commentaries. He describes this prayer that we are talking about right now as the, that you might know. And then there's a second prayer in chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. And again, he describes that one as that you might be. So here in this prayer that we're talking about, Paul is praying for four things. He's praying that we might know the Father. He's praying that we would know his hope. He's praying that we would know our worth. And fourth, we would know his power. So that's how we're going to walk through these verses of Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Know the Father, know his hope, know our worth, and know his power. And so in verse 17, Paul starts out with this prayer that we would know the Father. He says, I pray that the Father would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Right, to know God is the ultimate knowledge. He, he is the pinnacle of all existence. Right? So to know God is the ultimate knowledge. And Paul here prays for both kinds of knowledge. We talk about head knowledge and we talk about heart knowledge, right? the experiential. Well, Paul prays that we would have both here. We see wisdom is knowledge about God. Revelation is the experiential knowledge of God. And Paul is praying for both. He prays that we would know about God. And he also prays that we would have this experiential revelation type knowledge of God. He wants us to experience God for ourselves. And so we sometimes separate and critique knowledge about God. But the reality is the two, knowing about and knowing, are not in opposition to each other. But in reality, work together. For you see, in the context of salvation... In this context that we have accepted him as Lord of our lives, as we come to know more about him, we love him more. As we come to know more about God's love, we love him more. As we come to know more about God's grace, we love him more. As we come to know more about God's justice, we love him more. As we come to know more about God, we love him more and are drawn closer to him as we see what a wonderful, wonderful God he really is. And so there, there, there are two things here that Paul is praying. He's praying that we would know about God, 
but not only know about God, but to go deeper and to experientially know God. You can know something, right? You can, you can read all the books on a certain subject, but nothing compares to experiencing it. Nothing compares to feeling it with your hands or, or, or seeing it with your eyes or whatever, whatever the case may be, where you're actually experiencing what you know. And that's Paul's prayer. He, he wants us to have such a knowledge about God, but then go deeper and have this experiential knowledge of God. And, and what a beautiful truth that is. The fact that God is knowable. Cer- certainly he's not all knowable, right? We, we cannot, we cannot know all about God. That's why we're, for eternity, we're going to be experiencing more and more of God. We're, we're going to be, you know, a million years from now, still learning more about who God is. He is an infinite being, but the fact that we can know God on any level and that we can experience God, we can experience his presence. We can experience his goodness. We can experience his grace for ourselves. And that is what Paul is praying here. He, he prays, I want you to know the father. But furthermore, the second point, he wants us to know our hope. Look at verse 18. He prays that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you the eyes of your heart enlightened is how paul starts off this verse now i I want us to understand here the importance of sight right the importance of sight i can know something i can hear of something but when i see it it comes alive i can hear about something and I can know something, but until I see it, when I see it, it comes alive to me. And so what Paul is praying here, he's praying that our, this hope that we have been called to this hope, he prays that it would come alive to us, that we would see it with our eyes. And when we see it, it comes alive. We, we, we see this, this darkness and light uh, contrast so much throughout scripture we can we can see in Isaiah 9 2 the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light even here in Ephesians later on in chapter 5 verse 8 uh, Paul says for at one time you were in darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light you see we walked in darkness but now the light has come and so paul is praying that this light would shine on our on our hearts and the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we may see this hope paul is praying that our knowledge would go beyond head knowledge to to real experience and what is he what is he wanting us to see what is he wanting our eyes of our hearts to be enlightened to that is the hope to which we are called This hope is the hope of heaven. While Christian life is not simply about waiting for heaven, it certainly is not less than. We keep pushing off this thinking of heaven, right? We don't want to be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. But but it is precisely the hope of heaven that changes my life daily. It is precisely the hope of the gospel that changes my life daily. It is this hope that this life is not all there is. There is more. There is something beyond this temporal existence that we find ourselves in. There is something that we can look forward to where one day Jesus is going to 
going to come and he's going to make all things right and for eternity we get to experience the bliss and the glory of his presence that is the hope that paul is talking about that is the hope that paul is praying here that we would see this hope that we would know experientially and we we would be able to see with our eyes this hope that christ has called us to paul continues in verse 18 he continues this thought the eyes of your heart being enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints it's easy to gloss over this and read it as what we see often throughout the new testament that we as the children of god as the people of god have a glorious inheritance and that is certainly true and that is certainly seen throughout scripture right we have this glorious inheritance of heaven of salvation of peace, this this hope that we were just talking about. But the way that this is written here is not a statement declaring what we have in Christ, but what Christ has in us. Do you know what you are worth to Jesus? Do you know what you are worth to Jesus? Do you know that you are the inheritance of that he is waiting for? Do you know that he is the prize that he that, that he is waiting for? Do you know? Remember, we as the church, we are called the bride of Christ. And just as excited as we are for that day when, when time is ushered away and we are ushered into eternity, Jesus is just as excited for that day when he is able to welcome us, his church, his bride, home into eternity with him do you know what you are worth to jesus do you know your worth that's what paul is praying here he's praying that we would know what we mean to jesus that we would know the father we would know our hope we would know our worth and lastly paul prays that we would know his power. In verse 19, he says, I pray that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And this power that he works toward us who believe, he says, this is the same power. He works this great power toward us according to how he worked in Christ in raising and exalting him. There's that phrase, according to, again. He he works this great power toward us in the same way that he worked this power in Christ in raising and exalting him. Do you know that Jesus, that the Father, that the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the Trinity, they are working their power in your life? And Paul wants us to know this. Paul wants us to grasp and know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. It's immeasurable. We, we can't grasp it. We can't fathom it. We, there's, 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 no, uh, there's no scale that we can put it on and understand how great this power is that Jesus works toward us. This power and authority is the basis upon which all the promises that we read in the first 14 verses and the rest of the book are based. This power and authority that Jesus has, this power with which he works towards us to achieve the blessings in verse 3 through 14. Let me just, let me just read that, that part of, of it again, this whole, this whole part from verse 19 on. Paul is praying that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, 
toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul uses this phrase, he has put Christ over. He has given Christ the power to be over every rule, every authority, every power, and every dominion. Now, Paul is not just simply bringing out a thesaurus here to uh, flourish his, his, his language. There, there, there is some of that, but I also want us to understand that there are some differences to, to these four words that, that Paul uses, right? He says, Paul says, Christ has been set over his authority, his power reaches over every rule, every authority, every power, every dominion. Now, when we look at this, let's look at the four words just a little bit here. We look at rule. What, what does that speak to? It speaks to the basic elementary desires. It's the beginning. It's this first cause. You, you can think of, um, think base element or the most foundational thing that controls us. That's what rule, rule is. So, so Christ has been set over even the very base things that control us are, are urges that are very base urges that we have as humanity, which as we see in scripture are evil, right? The heart is exceedingly deceitful is what is, is what scripture uh, says, right? We understand that that is who we are, but Christ authority and Christ's power is over every rule. He's also over every authority. Authority speaks to jurisdiction. It speaks to control. It speaks to a claim over something. And yet Jesus is over any authority in our life. It speaks to power. This word dunamis, right? This dynamite power, this mighty strength. Yet Jesus is over this. It speaks over Jesus is over any dominion, any lordship in our life, anything that claims lordship over our life. So what Paul is saying here, what I want us to get out of this, and what Paul is saying is that whatever social power, whatever political power, whatever addictive power that you may find yourself under, Jesus has the power to save and will exercise his power on your behalf. Whatever social power, it, it, it does not matter. Whatever control you have in your life, Jesus is over. He has the power to save and he will exercise his power on behalf of you. And, and Paul continues and he says that the church is his expression of this submission to his power in the present. Right, we read in verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We broadcast the power of Jesus to the world, not through demonstrative ways. We broadcast the power of Jesus to the world through our submission to him. We broadcast this power that Jesus has 
right? This power that we just talked about, this power that is over every rule, every authority, every power, every dominion, this power that Jesus has, this authority that Jesus has, we broadcast it to the world through our submission to his lordship. You see, hope in the gospel is not primarily for this life. Hope in the gospel does give us hope in this life. But it's not primarily for this life. It's for the age to come. And what we see in these verses, what we see in what we just read, it shows us that Jesus is uniquely powerful to save us. There is no other name by which we can be saved. There is no other name by which we can be saved. And that's what Paul wants us to know. Paul is praying that we would know the Father, that we would know the hope that he has called us to, that we would know our worth, and we would know his power. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your power. Lord, I thank you that you work this power in our lives and through our lives on our behalf to save us. The same power that was worked in Christ to raise him from the dead and to seat him on high is the same power working in our lives to save us and to change us and to transform us. And so, God, may we submit. That is the greatest greatest show of your power to the world around us is our submission to your lordship so lord i pray that we would do so help us to submit to your lordship and walk under the submission to your power and your authority in jesus name amen